congregations praying for Pastor here, okay? But Father, we agree together. I'm asking you tonight humbly that you would um, just anoint me tonight and wrap me up in your mantle, Lord, and speak through me. Lord, I happen to be the person preaching tonight, but there's many others that could preach it just as good or better tonight. And But Lord, I'm the one bringing it, so I'm asking you that you would anoint me for this because we're going to be dealing with some exposing some dark things. And Lord, I pray that there'll be a mighty anointing. And Lord, that you speak through me your words of life, your rhema, your manna. Let everything be spoken, everything that's supposed to be spoken. Let there be a clear mind. And Lord, I pray that these words will go out as the parable of the seed and sower to be good, uh, or, or living seeds of truth sown into good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives around the world. Lord, that your spirit would really anoint this as it goes out and prepare hearts and minds and lives around the world. There will be an anointing to break through the darkness and bring the light of truth. Let your light shine, Lord. Let let your um, let there be the washing of the water of the word. Let there be breakthroughs in lives. And Lord, we thank you for it. Let your angels watch over this and protect your word tonight as it goes forth in every life. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, thank you all for agreeing with me. As normally, I don't I don't preach a lot along these lines. Um, honestly, I don't. It's not my favorite subject, but. How many of you guys know that if you're going to be faithful, you've got to preach the whole counsel of God? Amen. You've got to preach the whole word. And so that's kind of where we're coming from tonight. Next week, I'll be dealing with the communion and the Hebrew roots. I believe it will really bless you guys. God's been giving me even the first sermon. I, I just really feel like you're going to love this series I'm going to do. So anyway, um, let's open this up. How many of you guys know that we are living in a time of spiritual warfare? And um, Satan wants our kids. He does. He wants our kids. He wants our youth. And um, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So tonight I'm going to preach what the Lord's given me. And I'm going to expose this. And these sermons, they literally go out around the world. They go out through podcasts on iTunes, Sermon.net, and on our website. I get contacts from literally around the world. I'm talking about Africa, the Middle East, um, Europe all over that people follow these sermons. So I really believe that this is going to impact many people, okay, from this place. So let's go ahead. Ephesians 5.11, the Bible says, Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Okay, So it's our call as Christians to not participate, but literally God is calling us to expose things. Did you know, think about it, people are not going to get the truth about this stuff from the media. In fact, the media is going to make this evil stuff look good, isn't it? The, the people are not going to get the truth of this from uh, politicians. They're not going to get it from high school. They're not going to get it from college campuses. The only place they're going to get it is churches that are willing to talk about it. Think about it. And I want to put a plug in this um, this book Cindy Jacobs wrote called Deliver Us From Evil. If you can get that book, I really recommend that you read it, that you buy it. I'm, I'm sure they still sell it through our website, but they don't. I know you can get it from Amazon, but it's very good, and it deals with this in depth, okay? Because I'm just doing like a, a cursory overview of this tonight. All right, so in River of Life, we are focused on what Jesus is doing. Amen? Everybody say amen on that. But we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And there is an explosion of the occult, especially in the entertainment industry. Now, I know that it came in in the 60s. 
okay, Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan, all that came in the 60s, and I know that. They were, but it stayed underground in the 60s and 70s. But in the 80s, it really started coming out on the forefront. It really started coming out through the secular heavy metal rock musicians and through a lot of movies and some television shows that Satanism, witchcraft, the occult really began to explode out onto the scene. So that's kind of where I'm coming from today is that these things will be exposed, okay? So y'all help me preach tonight because I have, I have felt in the past some resistance about this sermon, okay? I'm glad everybody could come, but I really felt that Satan was not happy about tonight, so that makes me happy, amen? All right, so there are three sins that bring great bondage from Satan, seriously, three sins that really bring people into great bondage to the devil, all right? The first sin is idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of other gods, obviously the worship of idols, but under that category, the dark arts, things that have to do with witchcraft and Satanism and all that, it would kind of fall under that category of idolatry. The second one is sexual immorality. This includes pornography. But any type of sexual immorality really brings people in bondage to the devil. And the third one is, it has to do with blood. It has to do with shedding blood, violence, or obviously drinking or eating blood, which is disgusting. And I hate that I have to talk about it, but it's, you know, it's got to be talked about. And the only way people are going to know is if preachers tell them, okay? And this is in the Bible. All right, so let me say some things here that, from a loving, concerned pastor tonight, the reason why my wife and I preach and talk about things like, for example, about doing your best to stay away from the tattoos and the piercings and things like that, it's not because we're trying to be uncool. <laughs> it's not because we're trying to be outdated. But my wife and I, she has a testimony coming out of Satanism, and we know people that's come out of it. And I'm telling you that based on the Bible, the Bible is against it. But not only that, I have prayed for many people. And my wife will testify to this. I, and other people in this room can testify to this. I have prayed for people that have been delivered from demonic bondage that came in through tattoos and piercings. I'm just telling you. And so it really saddens me when I see so many churches that are so flippant about that. If you do any type of study, anybody that looks into this at all can see that um, the tattoos and the marking the body... Do research on your own if you don't want to believe Pastor Scott, which I know most of you do. Y'all love me, right? But if you don't want to believe Pastor Scott, you can do a research, and you'll see that this stuff goes back to pagan religions, okay? It goes back to darkness and paganism. And even in the Bible, the prophets of Baal, whenever they were trying to conjure up that spirit to remember to come uh, deal with that sacrifice there in front of everybody, they wanted to conjure up some fire, and they were dancing around and all that even in the bible how were they trying to conjure a spirit they were cutting themselves and dancing around if we could shut that door please they were dancing around and the blood was just flowing and that's how they were conjuring things and so even whenever you look at um the bible says not to mark and not to cut your body there was a lady we knew that was a satanist and she gave her life to jesus because of my wife isn't that awesome and uh, she had to relocate out of the area. They were trying to kill her. It was a big ordeal. Anyway, um, one of the things she said was that if she wanted to get 
some kind of spirit to cooperate with her, the quickest and easiest way was just to cut herself and that blood that would release it. Isn't it? So I'm just trying to say that I've ministered to people, and as I've talked about these things, people have come up and they're, they, they're like, yeah, Pastor Scott, I've got this, you know, where I try to commit suicide, and they've got scars, and they've got scars where they cut themselves, or tattoos or places that they used to have piercings, and they would anoint that and have me pray for them, and I have seen people really radically delivered from spirits that attach themselves to people's lives through those things. So when I say that, I'm not saying that just to try to get people to... For, well, for one thing, let me say this. For one thing, we're supposed to be different from the world. And so I think when we look and act like the world and dress like the world and drink like the world and talk like the world and everybody thinks that we're just like the world, does that really glorify Jesus? Of course not. So that's number one. But number two, as a pastor, I really want people to be free. I don't want people in bondage to things. All right. So in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's exactly where I believe a lot of people struggle right there is because they, they're not hearing the truth in a lot of places. That people don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to talk about things like this. And so they're not hearing the truth. And because they don't hear the truth in church, they go out and they get in all kinds of trouble spiritually. And the Bible says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. That's a scary verse. But here's the thing. The Bible says, I'll reject you from being my priest. We're called to be priests unto God. And priests are those that really are set apart as holy. If you do a study in the Old Testament, the priesthood, the Kohanim, were the ones that were really set apart as holy. I mean, everything about their life, they had to abstain from anything. As a matter of fact, let me say this. In Leviticus, the priests that were going in to minister unto God, okay, they were going into the temple area. They were not allowed to drink alcohol because they were the ones that were supposed to be going in the deeper places. See, I think that as spirit-filled believers, I think God's got a higher calling on us to go into the Holy of Holies. Okay, and there's people that are doing things that they don't mean to, but they're they're bringing some defilement in their life, which I'll come back to here in a moment. But I grieve because I see, for example, that sometimes here we are supposed to be priests ushering people into the presence of God, and there's some different ministries and things out there that they're hiring secular musicians that aren't even Christian, some of which may not even believe in God and are out partying but they hire them and pay them money because they're good musicians that come up and play in their worship band. And whereas the night before, they very well could have been sleeping around with somebody and were at a bar and, and were doing recreational drugs and different things. They get up and they go there just to make a paycheck. And they're up there playing and singing because they're talented. But let me just tell you, I, I'm, you know, I'm thankful that they're talented. And I, you know, God gave them that gift, but they have no business being up there. They have no business being up there because we're called to bring people into the presence of God. And they're, they're not even saved. Or maybe they are, but they're not living right. I'll tell you this. We wouldn't be able to get into God's presence like we did tonight if we had that on the platform. I'm just telling you. And I'm not, you know, people think sometimes these type of sermons, because they're not used to it anymore, because that's how bad the church has backslid. I grew up hearing this stuff. I grew up hearing these sermons. And it grieves me because 
you know, people have gotten away from preaching like this because they don't want to offend anybody or whatever. But how are people going to change if they don't hear the word of God? So the priests are called to be holy and set apart, but the priesthood are called to teach people between what's holy and what's profane. That's what the priests are called to do. It's in the Bible. We're called to teach between the holy and the profane. So let me show you some things tonight. In Acts 15, verse 19, Therefore it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. So we know that the church for about 13 years or so was was just Jewish in Jerusalem until Peter had the vision and he went to Cornelius' house. And then revival exploded there. Cornelius' house basically had a day of Pentecost. I'm sure Peter's mouth was hanging open, you know. And everybody there was surprised. They're all speaking in tongues. It was radical, you know. And so the Gentiles now started coming into the faith. And verse 20 says, but we write to them that they may abstain from things. Here we go. Contaminated by idols, idolatry. Number two, sexual immorality. And number three, blood. So see, in that that time, what was going on was most Gentiles worship pagan deities. So these Gentiles would go to the local temple, whatever that was. And they would go there, I imagine, taking their little offering. So they got their little goat, you know. Here they go. They got their goat. And they're going to the temple. And think about how evil this is. So they're going there to this pagan temple to worship this demon god. And and maybe they bring an offering of money, but they bring their sacrifice. Blood is shed, and they're worshiping this demon god. And there's temple prostitutes, and this is all in the Bible. There's temple prostitutes there that these people can have sexual relations with as a worship to that deity, or they could watch others do it, which is pornography of that time. And so they have bloodshed, they have sexual immorality, and they have the worship of other gods. Does this make sense tonight? These are the three things that Satan knows really brings people into great bondage. I'm talking about from ancient times. When you even read about the days of Noah in the Bible, it's inferred that because of those fallen angels coming down, that most likely these people were so caught up with worshiping other gods, I'm sure they were caught up with the occult, then the sexual immorality. They were having sexual relations with these fallen angels. It was perversion. And then number three, there was so much violence, the Bible says, again, bloodshed. So I'll give you an example. When somebody in a family bloodline was to go have an abortion or maybe in another way they were going to murder and shed innocent blood, I want you to picture like that family bloodline being like a landscape. And somebody shed innocent blood on that landscape. And so it's like that family becomes defiled by that innocent blood. Until somebody accept Christ as their Savior, and they pray about that and say, Lord, forgive us and our family for the shedding of innocent blood. And the blood of Jesus will wash that away, and you can break that off your family. But if nobody does that, that that family line is stained with that innocent blood. And the shedding of innocent blood is serious in the eyes of God, very serious. 
And anybody that's a student of the word knows that the three things the Bible says will cause the land to vomit out its inhabitants is the worship of other gods, sexual immorality, especially homosexuality, and the shedding of innocent blood. This is all through Scripture. And so verse 21 there says, For Moses from ancient generations has in every city uh, those who preach him since he is read in the synagogue every Sabbath. So my heart in preaching this is I'm about to start a sermon series um, next week, and I want us, I really felt the Holy Spirit putting on my heart last week to preach like I did. I preached about witchcraft in the church and tonight I'm going to preach in a way that's going to expose this stuff but you know what the Holy Spirit's saying he's saying before you get into this deep teaching about communion I want you river of life to examine yourself let's make sure that there's some things that are there that needs to be dealt with that we deal with amen all right so as I keep going here you know, whenever we look at movies, we have ratings like G and PG and all that. And it's based on violence. It's based on sexual, uh, you know, nudity or whatever. And it's based on profanity, and that's, that's great. I'm glad that we have that, and it's not just a free-for-all. It's bad enough even with that, you know. But <clears throat> there's no rating system for witchcraft. It's just a free-for-all. Because it's not viewed as something that's evil in society. It's viewed as something that's acceptable. And let me just give you a few things. Books and movies and video games and different things like that, they really can affect people. Some of the violent crimes that have been committed by people that went in at Columbine and shot all those kids and all that, it was shown that those guys that did that were really into violent video games and they just played them over and over and over and over and just kept reliving that. And so this stuff really can have an effect and we have to be really wise about these things. All right. There was a list. I found this extremely interesting. There was a list of 50 books that it was said have changed the world. Now, I only put a couple here just to give you an idea. So there was 50 of them, but here's just a few. One of them was The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. Another one was Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. It was believed about that book that it might have started our civil war. That's how much of an impact that it had. A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Also 1984 by George Orwell. And many are familiar with that book because that's where the phrase Big Brother was coined. Okay, It was about big government intruding in our lives. (laughs) But it really impacted our society. War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. But guess what made the list? And this really surprised me. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. J.K. Rowling. Supposedly was one of the top 50 books of all time that have changed the world. Isn't that interesting? And in uh, Europe it's referred to as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The whole thing about the philosopher or the sorcerer's stone was this pursuit. How many guys have heard of, um, was it King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and that whole mythical view? They were looking, apparently, for the Holy Grail, you know? 
And what really, symbolically, the Holy Grail supposedly is, at least in the occult world, is the pursuit of the elixir of eternal life. And so it's interesting that people are looking for eternal life apart from Jesus Christ, you know? And as they're pursuing this stuff, and think about it for a minute, in the Garden of Eden, the reason why people get mixed up in the occult is for the same reasons why Eve ate the fruit. When Satan came to Eve, he said to her, you will be like God. To this day, there's people out there that want to be like their own little God. They want to have God-like powers. They want to be able to control other people. And that's what it's about. It's this pursuit of being your own God. And then the second thing Satan said was that you'll know good from evil. You'll know things you didn't know before. You'll know what God knows. You'll have hidden secret information. And that's the other lure, if you will, to the occult world is that of hidden knowledge. People want to learn that that secret um, esoteric knowledge that you can supposedly only find in the occult. It's a bunch of garbage. But the same lies that Eve followed in, she fell into that sin, she bought those same lies is the same lies that Satan is doing to people now. He's seducing them into believing that they can be like a god on the earth and they can have knowledge and that somehow they can find the elixir of eternal life. I'm going somewhere with this. Bank tellers are not allowed to handle counterfeit money because they want them to keep handling the real over and over and over every day so that when a counterfeit actually does come, they will know that it is counterfeit. You, you need to get so familiar with the real that you know when something is a counterfeit. And so with that said... We need to know the Bible for ourselves. We need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to know the Holy Spirit's voice, his leading, his presence, his power. We need to be familiar with the supernatural on God's side of things, so much so that when the counterfeit comes, we know it's a counterfeit automatically. But what's happening is, is we're living in a society where people are biblically ignorant, and they also do not know the supernatural of God, And so therefore, when the counterfeit comes, it kind of fills a void. And this is why we need powerful churches. We need places where people can come and not just hear about a God, but experience the living God. There's a huge difference. Just keep following me. I'm getting there. Hebrews 5.14 It says, solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. Of all the gifts of the Spirit, the discerning of spirits, that gift is the most neglected and misunderstood. I don't think anybody would argue that. Prophets hear and seers see. All right, so let me explain this real quick. The nine gifts of the Spirit you have the vocal gifts. And these are so important. You have gifts of, of uh, tongues and you have gift of interpreting tongues and you have gifts of, of prophecy in the church. These are the vocal gifts where God is speaking through you. And the, these gifts are powerful and they're needed. 
And then you have, let me go over to the power gifts. So you have the vocal gifts, now the power gifts. The power gifts are faith, healing, and the working of miracles. The gift of faith will cause you to be able to believe God for things that you could never believe for otherwise. But it's a gift. It's like a supernatural charge of faith that you can believe for something at that moment. The gift of healing it, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory, but when you pray for people, they may not necessarily be instantaneous, completely healed. This is what people need to understand. You, we pray for healing, and I've seen people over a couple hours, over a couple days, and believe it or not, even over a month or two, that maybe have had something for the last 10 years that disappears. It's healing. But once you pray for them, something happened at that moment where healing was released in their life, and that healing is overtaking them, and it's removing the sickness. That's healing, but it can happen over time. A healing can be instantaneous, but a lot of times it'll happen over time. The working of miracles is more instantaneous. This, the working of miracles is like, for example, Jesus walked on the water. How many knows that's a miracle? <laughs> All right, Jesus holds the bread and the fish up and blesses it, and then he keeps breaking it, and it just keeps multiplying. That's a miracle. Miracles, deny, they um, deny what our natural laws are. So, for example, somebody's standing there, and they don't have fingers, and fingers grow out. That's a miracle. It's a creative miracle. So miracles tend to be more um, instantaneous and more powerful. I remember, for example, one time, my wife and daughter and I were in a meeting with Basil, Rodney Howard Brown's brother, and I don't know if other people were there or not, but, you know, we saw some legs grow out, remember? And then we saw some people that had a really bad curvature of the spine, and we watched the spine just straighten up. And those, that's the working of miracles, the gift of the working of miracles. So now let me get to the um, revelation gifts. The revelation gifts, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Words of knowledge is where you know things you shouldn't know. You might be up here and you're giving an altar call, and I remember at Brownsville sometimes I would hear Steve Hill yell out real loud, you know, there's somebody by such and such name, and you know that you're here, and you know who you are, and I know you're here. And you better. And he, he would describe it. you got this, this, and this, and this. Now get down here and get saved. And there'd be some guy boo-hoo and run down and get saved. Read his mail. It's a word of knowledge. And... Um, a word of knowledge can also be for healing. There's somebody here right now, God's healing with this, and it's a word of knowledge. Words of wisdom is whenever you need God's wisdom in a situation, and it just comes forth, and that wisdom just really solves things. It opens up God's heart and his mind in that situation. But discerning of spirits, this is so important. I believe this is one of the more valuable gifts, but one of, one of the most neglected definitely misunderstood and probably a lot of churches don't even have it but they don't even know what it is but the gift of discerning of spirits is where somebody has the ability by the holy spirit to be able to perceive whether it's a spirit of god or not and to be able to see what god's doing and what the devil's doing it just it's like it just opens up and when God, I'll say this, I'm only saying this to help out with this sermon, okay? But when God called me to minister to people like my wife and help people get out of the bondage of the devil, one of the things God did was he anointed me in a new, fresh way, but he gave me the gift of discerning a spirit. So I know how it operates. And I'll explain it just to help everybody. But this is a gift we need in these last days. Amen? I really feel that. 
So when I've prayed for people, sometimes they need deliverance or something. And I could see, I'd have my eyes closed and I'm praying for them, and I could see that there'd be some black object maybe in their head or maybe in their chest or something like that. And as I would command that to leave, it would just leave. But I could see it. God showed it to me. And I've seen also where I could see beings leave people or things happening in the spirit. And my wife will attest to this stuff because, I mean, this, this gifting makes you sensitive. And I would just feel something like, you know, it's, it used to keep me up at night because there'd be spiritual warfare sometimes and I couldn't sleep. But I asked God, I was like, please, unless I have to be up, just, <laughs> just let the angels, just let me sleep, you know. But it, it makes you real sensitive to that stuff. It's, it's really real. And you just, you just sense that those things going on. But that's important because in churches, we need to know what's going on. I remember that story I've told, and then I'll move on from this. But Dr. Cho, he was in a situation where there was this woman in the church that was prophesying. She obviously had some Jezebel spirit, and, and she was given these prophecies. They were accurate, but he didn't feel good about it at all. It was something off. And so he went home and prayed about it, and the Lord spoke to him and said, listen, so that woman's operating under a familiar spirit. This is not God. You need to tell her to stop. So he went to her in love and tried to explain it to her, but as people with the Jezebel spirit do, she got offended, got mad, bucked up against him and left and all that. And so he just went on with the church. But the point is, is that what would have happened if he allowed that to continue in the church? It would have opened that church up to something. And I'm telling you, with all what I preached on last week, with all the stuff that's going on in this world that we live in today, I want River of Life to be a safe place for people to come. Y'all hear me? The reason why I started River of Life, and a lot of people may not know this, I started River of Life because I had been involved in other churches. And it was like, man, it was just like pulling teeth to get people to come pray. You know, you couldn't ever get people to do any type of soul winning. I mean, it was just, it was difficult. It was really dry, and I got frustrated with having to deal with that type of thing. So I really felt of the Lord, and I began just at my house. I just wanted God to gather people unto us that wanted Book of Acts Christianity, that wanted real biblical Christianity, people that were on fire for God, people that were hungry for something real, for, for what we read about in the Bible. And so God began to do, they began to draw. And that's the whole reason that River of Life was started, was to have a place where God's house would be a house of prayer, where his presence would dwell, where we would continue to see healings and miracles, where we would continue to see people delivered from demonic bondage. And we'd be going out on the streets and seeing people saved. And it's it's doing the things that are important to the Lord. But with that said... We want this to be a place that's a safe place. And what's happening right now in the world, if you guys can really latch hold of what I'm saying, I see this and it really concerns me, is that the worldliness that's coming in, I talked about it last week, remember, how the spirit of this world, the Bible calls this the spirit of the world, that the spirit of the world is coming into the church. And you're seeing now, people that are so comfortable with, with uh, honestly, it's, it's scary and it bothers me a lot, but, you know, you hear people that are in the ministry, people that are in worship leading and things like that, that are using this profanity and this foul language. 
And it really grieves me because the same mouth that they're up here using for God, they're also using the F word and all these other words throughout the week. And you're seeing where the church is becoming more and more comfortable with the bondages of this present world. I used to be addicted to cigarettes. I used to be addicted, at, at least to some degree, to alcohol. And my wife used to be on drugs. I, I did a little bit of that. But my point is, is that as a Christian, I don't want my temple defiled in any way. And I'm not going back to the old stuff. And people see, the thing is, people say, well, that's legalistic and religious. It's not. It's holy. There's a difference. It's holy. And I'm not going to get up here behind a pulpit having gone out all week long and defiling my temple and then get up here and minister. Man, that's, it's not how it works. And so, um, anyway, you're seeing this stuff come into the church world where people are really into the tattoos and the piercings and they're, they're, they don't realize it, but it's really defiling their temple. And throughout the week, you know, they're going out and they're, um, the foul language and all the substance that they're taking. And let me say this. Because the church, by and large, has gotten so comfortable with things now, like alcohol, and we're not just talking about some little glass of wine with their meal, we're talking about people drinking, okay? Because they've gotten comfortable with that, you wait and see what I'm about to tell you. The Greek word for um, sorcery in the Bible is the word pharmakeia, and it's where we get our word pharmacy from. So the reason why the Bible calls sorcery pharmakeia is because it has to do with drugs even back in ancient times sorcerers would drink something that would put them in an altered condition drugs you know would alter their mind so that they could be more sensitive to the spirit realm also even to this day there'll be people that not only do that but maybe they'll deliberately take drugs or they'll put it in the incense that they're burning so they smell it and it helps put them in an altered state of consciousness. I'm trying to say that to say this. The church has gotten so comfortable with other things, you wait until people start feeling comfortable with and justify marijuana. And it's not going to stop there, just like it didn't stop with other things. It'll go from that to other stuff. And you hear me? I'm trying to warn people. When people start allowing drugs in the church, there's going to be sorcery spirits that come into that church. See, what people don't realize is the life that they live outside of church and the fact that the preacher and different people are winking at it and tolerating it, putting up with it, there's spiritual things that are coming and trafficking in that church that's not of God's kingdom. Amen? And the reason why I'm saying that, and I've already said this twice, because I want River of Life to be a safe place where there's not these other sorcery spirits and, and sexually perverted spirits and, and these weird things of Satan's kingdom trafficking in and out of a church and moving around over people. How many would appreciate Pastor Scott saying, we're not going to have that in River of Life, amen? But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of places that really do have it and they probably don't even realize that they do, but they're tolerating it. All right, let me give a few more things. The Bible says about the end times, Matthew twenty four twenty four, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. 
Now, these are the words of Jesus. I think a lot of times we read over this stuff too quickly and really don't think about this. We're living in the end times now. So that means Jesus said that false messiahs and false prophets would appear to perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect in the end times, which is now. (laughs) Okay? So not everything going on out there all the time, 100% of the time, is always God. There's a lot of really good. I love revival. I love, I've, I used to drive 12 hours or 14 hours or whatever to go to Pensacola every time I got a chance. And me and my wife went to Toronto a couple years back. It was awesome. And I used to, if, if somebody like Benny Hinn or Rodney Hare Brown, different people came to town, I'd go see them. I like going and seeing Brother David Hogan. If you, want to get, if you want to get offended and get slapped around a little bit, go see Brother David, right? <laughs> He'll fire you up, man. But, I, you know, I love revival. I love revival. But not every single thing out there is 100% of the time always God. And you need to know, you need to have discernment to know what's of God and what isn't. In 2, Timothy, or 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9, it says, that, that is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. It's talking about the Antichrist. With all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. You know what sad is? Well, just think about that scripture first before I get into that, but it's talking about signs and wonders, miraculous powers that are not of God. But what's sad is there's people out there that they do not love the truth. And because they keep rejecting Jesus Christ, they keep rejecting that there's a God, they keep rejecting the Bible, they don't want to believe in it. God says in his word, because they did not love the truth, in Romans 1, they were going to be given over to a reprobate mind. They're going to be given over to delusions and deceptions. And these are the people that will end up following the Antichrist one day. They heard the truth. They didn't want the truth. And so they're given over to a delusion. And just to show you a couple things, there's a move right now. This is just one of many, many things, but I just want you to be aware that these type of things are going on, but called the Indigo Children. And according to a pseudo-scientific New Age concept, These are children who are believed to possess special, unusual, and sometimes supernatural traits or abilities. The idea is based on the concept developed in the 1970s by Nancy Ann Tapp and further developed by Jen Toberly Carroll. But listen to this. These children possess occult powers and abilities and are believed to help usher in in the new world order. Satanist and Luciferian cults believe Satan will win in the end, which he won't. Okay. Yeah. And... They are here to usher in some kind of new world order and the rise of the Antichrist and false prophet. That's what they honestly believe. So the Bible agrees with this point, though, that there will be a new world order of sorts because the autonomous nations right now that have their own government, their own currency, their own military, their own leaders, and all the way that it is across the world, all of that eventually is going to merge more and more into a one-world government a one-world military, a one-world economy, under a one-world leader we know as the Antichrist. And the false prophet will help that happen. So we do know that there's going to have to be, whether you want to call it a new world order or whatever phrase you want to use, that something is going to happen to shift things to become more global, international. And there'll be international laws one day. You watch. 
you know, maritime laws, laws across the border where it's like the United Nations now are passing laws that affect the whole world. And it's, it's going toward the rise of the Antichrist. But there are people out there that serve the enemy. We, we've, my wife and I have known people like this, that they serve the enemy and they believe with all their heart that in the end Satan will win which is ridiculous, but they believe that. And they believe, because how many knows that God isn't even going to fight the devil? He's just going to send a few angels to slap him around, put him in chains and all that. So, I mean, it's not going to be a hard battle for God. He's not even going to flex his muscles. But, but Satan will lose, okay? And then the second thing is they really believe that they're, going to have, they're here to usher in some kind of new world order and the rise of the Antichrist. So let me tell you three things about the devil that you need to know. Number one is Satan is an opportunist. He takes advantage of our ignorance and our naivety to open doors into people's personal lives, family, bloodlines, homes, and churches. It makes no difference to the devil. If you're knowledgeable about what you're doing, if you're a Christian or you're some innocent child or anything else, they're just simply looking for the opportunity. See, don't attribute to the devil's kingdom attributes that belong to God. In Satan's kingdom, there's no love, there's no mercy, there's no compassion whatsoever. A lot of times you would think, well, this person over here is on the ground bleeding, they're wounded, you know, just leave them alone. That's not Satan's kingdom. Satan's kingdom is like, good, now we can really do something. Um, it's pure evil. So don't think that they're going to show some kind of restraint just because it's a child. Definitely not because you're a Christian. If they have the opportunity to attack and you open that door, they will take advantage of that opportunity. Whether you know what you're doing or not, or whether or not you believe in it or not, that's just the way that it is. And that's why we have the Bible to teach us, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, don't do these things. If you're going to go to some psychic and have your palm read, if you're going to go to some seance, if you're going to do these stupid things, don't be surprised when you get home if there's not a few little imps and trolls that followed you home into your house and you brought some, some curse or some spirit upon your family. And God is saying, stay away from these other gods. Stay away from this occult garbage. Stay away from sexual immorality. Because it's bringing people in bondage to the devil. It's defiling people and it's opening them up to the enemy. Stay away from this bloodshed garbage. Amen? The second thing you need to know about the enemy is this. The law of agreement. When people agree with the enemy, whether they mean to or not. I'll give you an example about passive agreement. But if you guys can catch what I'm about to tell you, it'll really help you. When Satan came and he told Eve the lies, Eve came into agreement with his lies. She was pretty deliberate about it. Adam was more of a passive, kind of an Ahab type, passively going along, but he was, he was still guilty. Let me give you an example. Okay, in the eyes of the law, you got the guy driving the getaway car. Okay, he pulls up to the bank. All he's doing is sitting in the car and then driving the car. That's all he's doing. The other guy goes in. The other guy may murder people. He may do all kinds of despicable things. He robs the place. He's shot the place up. He comes running out with his money, jumps in the car. They drive off. 
In the eyes of the law, they're both guilty of everything that happened. All right. So there's this law of agreement. When people allow their children to watch things, like, for example, Harry Potter or whatever else you want it to be, when they allow them to involve themselves in the occult, those parents don't realize it, but they're passively coming into agreement with the dark side, with Satan's kingdom, with spirits of witchcraft. And because they're passively in agreement, they are allowing the enemy to begin to try to influence their child. Satan's an opportunist, and he will take advantage of that opportunity. And the third one is legal rights. When we do things that disobey God and allow the enemy to oppress or enter our lives, like I mentioned earlier about going to a psychic or something. This is why I'm careful about who lays hands on people. I'll tell you some things that, that if you've never heard this will probably freak you out. I wrote a book called A Warfare Manual for Ministers. I really recommend that you read it because it's not just for preachers. It's for anybody that wants to do anything for God. But in it, I, I told some stories about people. But anyway, there was, there was this lady, and we knew a lady, okay? Her name was Tammy, really sweet lady. But she was in Satanism and accepted Christ. It's the same lady I was talking about earlier. And one of the ways that she was trained was she was trained to infiltrate Christian churches and affect them from the inside. All right? This is extremely common, and it's not limited to just this scenario. But there was another lady that I, was, I, I know about that she would go and she would train other people that were in Satanism or witchcraft or whatever how to infiltrate churches. And it's creepy because they know that they can't come in here dressed like a hooker or something. So they were telling them, first off, you've got to tone the way you dress way down or they're not going to let you pray for people. I'm serious, this goes on. And you're going to have to, you can't smell like cigarettes, you can't do this, you're going to have to come in and they were teaching them how to present themselves and teaching them, they said, they were teaching them this. Because the, their Bible says not to go around laying hands suddenly on everybody, because they disobeyed their Bible and their God by doing that, they're going to let you pray for them. And because they're in disobedience to God, you're going to be able to affect them. And that's what happened. That's why... Back whenever Rodney Howard Brown was having those great revivals in the 90s, there were some witches and people come in trying to pray for people. Rodney found out about it, of course, ran them off, and he was like, all right, nobody's praying for nobody unless I know about it, you know. And the same thing at Brownsville. They come in from New Orleans all the time. They're sitting around with their stupid little beads and stuff back there chanting in the back row, you know. And they were there to try to come into that church and influence it. And, you know, the pastor there said, look, we're only going to have people laying hands that I personally know and I appoint them to do it, and that's the end of the matter. If they don't have a badge, they don't pray for people. It's for our protection. God puts these things in the Bible for our protection. He said, don't go around being sudden laying hands on everybody. It's concerning when you have environments where everybody can just lay hands on anybody all the time. Anybody coming off the road can just pray. That's not a safe place for you and me and your children. It's just not. These, I'm talking about legal rights. When we do things that disobey God, it opens up legal rights. 
for the enemy to attack. You also need to be careful with the lies that your children are being told by society. Just like Eve. Eve believed the lies of the serpent. We have a generation that thinks that capitalism is wrong and evolution is right because of an educational system that has taught them lies. And people have believed the lies. It's similar to the phrase we use, brainwashing. Where people, you know, you've heard it said, just keep telling the same lie over and over and over, and eventually they'll believe it. It's sad but true that most people don't think for themselves. They sit back in a college, and a professor is up there saying a bunch of nonsense against God and the Bible and everything else, and they think, well, he's a professor. He must know what he's talking about. Friend, he don't have a clue. All he's got is a degree and a job. (laughs) But he's up there lying to people. Yeah, it's his job, right? (laughs) He thinks it's his job. But anyway, so I put a link there where you can look up some symbols because I want you to be aware of this. But some of the main goals of Satan, let me read a few more things. I'm hoping this is really going to help some people that are hearing this. Because unfortunately, you don't hear a lot of sermons along these lines anymore. All right, some main goals of Satan is to create other religions. Here's the reason why Satan wants to create other religions. Number one is to deny the authority of Scripture. How many of you guys can see in the day we live, there's, this, there's something that's trying to attack the Bible and trying to present it as not being God's Word, but it is God's Word. Every bit of it's the truth. Number two, to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And guys, look this way and give me your attention, please. We'll talk about the pictures here in a moment. Listen, the, number one is to deny the Bible. Number two is to deny the authority of Jesus Christ, to deny his deity. All right? Number three, to deny the message of salvation. Number four, to turn people to false gods. Number five, to turn people to false spirits. And number six, to distort the truth of the second coming. Didn't you see that? All right, and here's another thing. There's a breakdown of various belief systems. Satanism and Luciferian cults, they believe, you know, basically Satan's not such a bad guy. He's got a bad rap. And you guys, look at the, the fox making that stupid show about Lucifer. It's, it's to put, present him as being some benevolent creature. We're talking about Satan here. Hello, you know, the bad guy. But it's like people, people in this cult system believe that God's actually the bad guy and Lucifer's not really, he's a victim. Okay, of the bad guy. That's what they believe. Number two, the agnostic crowd that doesn't know what they believe, the atheist and the humanist. You know, atheism and humanism and these sort of things are like an anti-religion religion. Number three, shamanism and Native Americans. This is where everything has a spirit. You know, the animals have a spirit. The chair has a spirit. This podium has a spirit. Everything's a spirit. And they're, they're into this spirit realm. And, and, and witch doctors and people, they're communing with the spirits. Number four, Wicca, New Age, Pagan. This is like white magic and earth magic. Number five, sorcery. And we talked about drugs, but the material branch of the occult is sorcery, where people have material objects that are supposed to bring them power or luck or whatever. Number six is divination. This is the information branch of the occult where people are trying to get information outside of God. 
Anytime you're going to try to get spiritual information or some kind of direction in life and you're going to look to things like the Zodiac, you're going to look to psychics, you're going to go to things God specifically said, don't do that. You're starting to brush your life up against the occult and you're going to get major spiritual problems in your life. God does not want us involved in divination. We don't need some witch telling us what the future holds. We need the Holy Spirit. All right, number seven is witchcraft. This is the power branch of the occult where people learn how to do rituals and, and incantations and spells and release it against other people to control them. It's all about control. That's why that Jezebel spirit, I'm telling you, it's the same spirit as a witch has in the world. It's the same spirit. It may be operating through somebody that's a sincere Christian, but it's still a spirit of witchcraft and control. And y'all hear me. I'm saying this to some people out there that need to hear this. When you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit, you better not tolerate any of its bad attitude, any of its rebellion, any of its witchcraft control, or anything else associated with it because it will try to take you down with it. Somebody that has a witchcraft spirit about them in the church, they're not going to be able to fulfill their destiny in God until they deal with it. But Satan will try to use them to control you, to wrap something around you, to take you down with them in the spirit realm. All right. And it's sad because most of the time you try to talk to these people and you just get attitude. They'll never change. Need to move on. Here we go. Satan is pulling, trying to seduce and pull our children big time. Number one, enticing them or seducing them through things like entertainment. How many knows that the devil comes as an angel of light? He comes in a way that people will accept him. That people are not going to be threatened by him. And so this enticement is for children to put things in cartoons and put them in kids movies and try to present it in games and do it in a way that seems to parents to not, it's like non-threatening. Well, it's just a cartoon. And they try to present it in a way and package it in a way where parents won't be worried about it. And kids will be excited about it. But what Satan is doing is he's enticing and seducing children and young people. And what's the next thing? Once they get enticed, now they're being exposed to the dark side. And once they get exposed to the dark side, now something has touched their life spiritually with darkness. So now what Satan wants to do is to desensitize them from evil by continuing to keep feeding that to them over and over and over again. It's like the frog in the kettle. Everybody knows you put the frog in water, you put the fire under. If you gradually heat that water up very slow over a long period of time, the frog will never jump out. It'll sit there and be boiled because it's not threatened. If you turn the fire up real quick, he'll jump out. So the point is, Satan says, look, let's just gradually entice them. It'll be real subtle. Expose them to darkness. And then just very gently and quietly just keep turning up the heat in their life. Keep going. Keep desensitizing them. Keep filling their life with more and more and more. And pretty soon, their life has now come in passive agreement with the enemy. And what is so seductive about this stuff to children is that they're being offered power and abilities. 
And I gave this example other, uh, earlier about allowing your child to watch things like Harry Potter and other things, how you're coming in passive agreement with the darkness. So let me just expose some things that are going on in the world. Because as I talked about witchcraft in the church last week, I talked about how Satan uses people in the church to try to manipulate and intimidate and control and try to destroy churches on the inside. And it's a, it's a spirit of witchcraft. But now the same spirit, but in the world. Okay? Number one, I'll put some pictures here for, for you guys to follow along, okay? When we look from left to right, there are literally role-playing games like Dungeons and & Dragons and now this weird game called Illuminati um, Taking Over the World game on the left there. You'll see that. And you'll see the triangle on the eye. I want you guys just to be aware that this stuff is going on because God has called us to expose it and God has called us to see people saved and delivered from it. Amen? All right. PlayStation, along with others, have put out games that teach people about spell casting and incantations and rituals and things like that. The gaming industry has been putting out witchcraft cards with all kinds of satanic symbols for a long time for kids to play and pass back and forth. And I've, I'm around kids some, and I see some of them that have this type of stuff all the time. And it's sad, or Pokemon, same type of thing. Ouija boards. Now, y'all look this way for a second, all right, because I'll, I'll explain something. Back whenever I first started seeing things in cartoons, I thought, yeah, okay, you know. But God really dealt with me about this because, you know, if I was to go outside right now, and I break out my phone, and I'm going to take a video of Christopher doing a dance, right? He's going out there doing an interpretive dance for me, right? And he's out there dancing, and I take a video of him. There may be something in the background, like a car drive-by or something, that indiscriminately gets captured on my video that was an accident. But when you're dealing with cartoons and movies, animation, it's not accident. Somebody is sitting at a board, I've seen them do it, and they're drawing it or they're getting on the computer and they're using graphics. They're creating every single pixel in there. So this stuff being in there is not an accident. It was deliberately put in there. And so when you see, I'm just going to show you some weird stuff going on in the world, okay? How many of y'all knows the world is getting weird? Amen. <laughs> it's getting weirder by the day. I don't foresee it stopping because, you know, we're in the end times. But anyway, you see on the left there, you see SpongeBob. And I know it's SpongeBob, you think, what in the world? But you're seeing the triangle. You're seeing the, listen, y'all, I want y'all to hear what I'm saying, though. You're seeing this guy wearing like a Freemasonic outfit. And he's got that hat and it's got that eye in it. And it's got that pyramid with the, the raised eye at the top. And all of that is Freemasonic satanic imagery why is that in a cartoon seriously think about it for a minute what does that have to do with spongebob running around in the ocean <laughs> what does that have to do with anything why is it in there somebody put it in there but you have to wonder why it doesn't have anything to do with that show really so what what are they trying to introduce children to by doing this and guys, listen, when I tell you this is a drop in the bucket, this is nothing compared to what's up. I just put a few pictures. Um, 
Then you see the Simpsons, and you see the Freemasonic symbol. Again, that wasn't an accident. Somebody drew that. Why is a Freemasonry symbol in the Simpsons? You know? (laughs) And then you see Nickelodeon. Why do they have that eye in a triangle? And the lightning bolt has always been a satanic symbol. Always. Because the Bible says he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Why in the world would Nickelodeon be using this weird imagery? Now, on the right, I, I showed you here, this is an actual Freemasonic lodge on the inside. You see the checkered board at the bottom, and you see the triangle up at the top. Now, I'm going to just explain some things as we go real quick. The whole concept of the eye, I want you all to hear this. The whole concept of the eye is this. So look this way for a second. That supposedly in the occult, people can have like what they call their third eye opened or it's called like this light of Lucifer or something. And people are able to start seeing spiritually. And it's a demonic thing. Okay, It's an occult, evil, wicked thing. And so that's what that eye is. And you have this belief system where you have the male, like Osiris. You have the male. Like, for example, our Washington Monument is a phallic symbol. Okay, And at the top, it has that triangle. And it has those, those little red eyes in there, okay? That's, all of that is a satanic symbol. It really is. And so you have the male, and then you have the female, which is Isis. And supposedly, through magic or whatever, the goal is to bring forth the sun, S-O-N, sun, Horus, to come forth. And his symbol is the eye. So what's happening is this. That has to do with the rise of the Antichrist. He's going to be like the Horus. And so when these people are doing the triangle, it's supposed to be with the Illuminati and that eye, but it all has to do with Lucifer and it has to do with the Antichrist coming. It really does. And these people that are in this, they know that and they believe that. And let me tell you something too. When you look below that and you see like Madonna, what are you seeing in society right now? You're seeing a media that is pushing all kinds of sexual immorality. You're seeing, and what were the three things I told you bring you into great bondage to Satan? The second thing you're seeing is a media that is pushing so much idolatry and occult garbage and witchcraft on people. And thirdly, you're seeing a society of shedding blood through abortion and more and more of an acceptance about cutting and the whole bloodletting garbage. But listen to this one. This will surprise you, but you can look this up and verify this. Madonna's last concert was called this. It was called Desecration of the Bride and the Arrival of the Fallen Angels. That's what she called her last concert. Now, why would anybody name... I mean, so, I mean, obviously, Satan's not trying to hide anything anymore. I mean, that's I mean, it's like big neon sign, this is the devil, the devil, you know... So, used to, y'all hear me about this, please. Used to, you could watch maybe some kind of concert or something back many years ago, and it was just a concert. But I'm telling you guys, you need to hear me. Some of these things that are going on with Katy Perry and like the awards show and like Madonna at the Super Bowl, things like that. I'm telling you as a pastor, as a man of God, I'm telling you, I know for sure, absolute positive. I have a wife that came out of the occult that they are doing things that are satanic rituals. It is not just a concert. It used to be. 
years ago it used to just be concerts. But now they're doing things that are satanic rituals. As a matter of fact, there were even secular people that watched Katy Perry at that Grammy Awards or whatever it was. And at the end of it, they said, did we just watch a witchcraft ritual? They asked, uh, Secular people asked that. It's like, as a matter of fact, you did, you know. And there's something called mudras, which is with the hand, where people that are doing these weird ceremonies, they know how to move their hands, and they're supposed to be releasing this stuff out to the masses. So here's what's happening. Y'all ready for Pastor Scott to expose something? Or here's what's happening for real. Satan is doing this stuff now to the masses. And so you've got people, like, for example, they're all at a Super Bowl. Most of them have had too many drinks. They're down in the area singing with the whoever it is, Madonna or whatever, and they're all into it. And in this particular case, let's say that it was somebody like Madonna that was doing some weird occult stuff on stage. Because they're in passive agreement with everything going on, they're being spiritually defiled and affected by it. And what's happening is, is the masses, I mean by the millions, this is happening over and over and over through, through the media, through all kinds of movies and music. People are watching this stuff, and it's spiritually affecting them. It's defiling them. And Satan is loving it, and he's just keep, he wants to keep it going like the frog in the kettle. Just keep defiling them. Keep affecting them spiritually. Because he knows that when the Antichrist actually does come on the scene, they're being spiritually prepared for it. Just like John the Baptist was, remember, he was immersing people in water and he was preparing them. Repent of your sin. Be baptized. He was preparing them for the coming of Jesus Christ. In the same way, there's people that are kind of baptizing the masses in evil and preparing them for the rise of the false Christ. And so you see Madonna and, the, you know, that Baphomet insignia and all that weird stuff. That guy, look at that. Jay-Z or whatever, he has the triangle and the eye. I'm sorry I have to share this stuff with you guys, but somebody's got to preach on this. Amen? Amen. All right. I know it's gross, and I don't, I don't like talking about this stuff, but somebody's got to. All right, so you see in the top left, you see it's all about that eye, and that's the eye of Horus. It's that occult eye, and it has to do with the Antichrist. And that's why you see these people covering their eye and just, you know, different ways of exposing one eye. It's a satanic imagery. And you see that lady, Kesha, on the right promoting um, eating blood at one of her concerts. Whether it was real or not, I don't know. But it's sending a disgusting message to our young people that eating blood is cool. And the Bible specifically says not to eat blood. Amen? Seriously, this in the Bible, and we need to talk about this stuff. Cutting yourself and, and that stuff about eating blood stuff, that is, it really defiles people and it's opening them up to spiritual bondage. All right, then you see the next row down. Look at this. You have people that are rap artists, R&B artists, people that are rock artists, and they're all holding up their hand in that satanic symbol, the horned hand. And some people say, well, maybe they don't mean it. Yeah, I doubt that. I imagine that they do mean it, but the bottom line is this. I put this in here because I want you to see this. All right, look right below that, and you see that, that ugly man there with the black robe on. Right, that's Anton LaVey, and he's got that black robe on. And what is he doing with his hand? The same symbol, the horn hand. They would do that, and they say, Hell, Satan. And you see that pentagram in the back. That's where this came from. 
And then you see the, the eye with the 666, the sticking out the tongue. That actually is a sexual thing. And if you don't believe me, look up. You can write down K-A-L-I, Kali. And it's a Hindu demon god, and that's her insignia. It has to do with that tongue. You can look that up. And again, there's Katy Perry doing her satanic rituals and stuff. And, and at the bottom, you see, what do you see? On the bottom left, you see a lady that's got one eye exposed, 666, a pentagram. In the pentagram, a triangle with the eye. All of that is satanic imagery. In the bottom right, you see the checkered boards, just like you did in the Freemasonic Lodge. What I'm trying to say as a pastor exposing this tonight is try to keep your young people away from this stuff. Young people, I'm telling you, stay away from it. All it's doing is trying to defile you. It's Satan trying to defile you. And just for a minute, if you would, because you're going to take these papers home with you, just set it down and listen to me. We're going to pray for people tonight, but listen to me. Avoid what you can. But we're living in a society. If y'all would give me your best here, please. We're living in a society that you're not going to be able to avoid everything all the time. Okay, it's everywhere. And so what I recommend is avoid what you can. But then secondly, you really need to pray over your children. You really need to cover your family in prayer. And then number three, you need to educate people. And one of the things about my daughter was I really truly taught her about staying away from this stuff. But I remember talking to her about these things because I wanted her to know that this is what's out there. This is what the occult is. And I want you to hear all this from me. And there was never a problem with anything because she already knew about it from me. Does that make sense? You want your family to know about this evil garbage so that they can stay away from it and they can protect their children. You know, I don't want to hear about River of Life young people or children or something getting mixed up with this stuff. And I've seen it affect some people. I've seen over the years where somebody got into this stuff and they had a personality change and it really affected them. All right. So we're dealing with breaking the power of witchcraft out there. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray with you guys. And again, this is a little different sermon for me. I normally don't teach this, this hardcore and graphic about these things. But the Holy Spirit wants this, somebody to get this out there. And so people will know. And what's sad is I've actually heard of churches that have used things that go back to maybe Harry Potter or a... What was that movie with the vampires and stuff? Twilight and other things like that. have actually used that stuff in their youth and children. There was this, this kid, my dad was telling me, he was real funny. He said that some other kids were asking him, uh, my dad drives a bus, and they were asking him, said, uh, Are you, aren't you going to decorate for Halloween? He said, no. He said, my dad says, that's Diablo. And then he said, and my dad says, if we do that, that's like asking the devil, come on in. <laughs> and so the point is that um, <laughs> the point is that whenever churches are having this stuff in their children's department or youth department or, or whatever, it's like putting up a big sign saying to the devil, come on in. All right.
let's pray tonight. I want to have my wife help me pray for people. We're going to move through pretty quickly and pray, but there's a special anointing and a special grace that I've seen on my wife and I've seen on people that have come out of things like she has. There's like a special anointing to really empower them to be able to overcome that stuff in their past. And really it's amazing to see what Jesus can do, you know, from my wife's past to being um, a powerful woman of God. I mean, you have to know that Jesus is awesome. Amen. And, um, but you know, these people that come out of these things can be totally set free in Jesus. And not only that, but Jesus will empower them to walk in victory over it. And I've seen with her and with others that there's some kind of a special, strong anointing to overcome these things. And so I want her to help me pray tonight, but I want us just to pray and renounce this and see if, you know, if there's been areas in our lives or in our families um, where maybe we've been affected and that God will just cleanse us. And here we are examining ourselves because next week we're going to get into that series on communion. So if you would, even those that are maybe live streaming, those that are going to hear this, I want you to pray this with me, okay? So tonight, wherever you are, as a matter of fact, let me go ahead and pull this up. I've got a little bit more detailed renunciation prayer here. All right. So wherever you are, this is just a little bit long, but I want you to say this with me, and then we'll lay hands and pray for people. But this, what you're about to do, will really affect you, but it'll affect your children as well, okay? This is powerful. So everybody just repeat this after me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and through his blood, I thank you for Jesus. He is my Savior, my healer, and my deliverer. You said, all who call upon your name, will be delivered because you forgive me I forgive everyone that has hurt me wronged me or disappointed me in any way forgive me Lord for any judging my parents relatives or anyone else let the blood of Jesus block any sowing and reaping forgive me Lord For those ungodly judgments. And let the blood of Jesus. Wash and cleanse me. From all the hurt. The pain. The bitterness. And the wounds of the past. I ask you to forgive me. And I renounce. All the sin. The rebellion. Idolatry. Iniquity. That's been in my life. In my ancestors, I bring it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Lord, for pride, rebellion, resentment, revenge, envy, jealousy, strife, lust, sexual sins, witchcraft, idolatry, divination, sorcery, occult practices, Satanic objects, criminal activity, fear, doubt, unbelief, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, pornography, and all addictions. Forgive me, Lord. In my family, if there's been conception out of wedlock, 
Forgive me, Lord, for any idolatry in my life. I repent of any cutting, burning, or marking my body in any way. Forgive me, Lord, for suicide, shedding blood, hatred, abortions, anger, rage, or murder. I renounce and confess a sin. Any unholy vows, oaths, ceremonies, or pacts with the devil, either in my life or my ancestry. Forgive me, Jesus. Separate me from all sexual ties from my life. I renounce Freemasonry, all its branches, all its rituals. I renounce the Catholic Church, the idolatry, paganism, and ungodly practices there. I renounce Jezebel and Ahab and all their influence. I renounce any dedication to any false god or false religion. I dedicate myself and my family to the one true God, the God of Abraham, and his son Jesus, and his Holy Spirit. And Lord, wash and cleanse me tonight from all the pollution, all the defilement, from idolatry, sexual immorality, and bloodshed. I receive it now. In Jesus' name. And Father, we agree together, and everybody's agreeing with me right now. If there's been anything in people's lives or in their family bloodline that's been there that goes back to some kind of generational curse or whatever, it goes back to maybe idolatry, goes back to sexual morality, goes back to shedding blood. Father, we agree together. I break that off their lives. I destroy that out of them in Jesus' name. Anything, any of the pollution... Father, we destroy it out of the skies, out of the heavenlies. I destroy it out of every person right now, wherever it's been, spirit, soul, and body, things that have been generational, things that have affected their health, things that have affected their soul area, their spirit, their relationships, their finances. Father, I destroy that and command that to leave their life. In Jesus' name, I break it off them right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we destroy every bit of pollution, every bit of defilement, every oppression, everything that's been at the enemy. People that are listening to this, Father, we just break that off their lives right now, wherever they are. In the mighty name of Jesus, we destroy it. And I bind every satanic spirit that may be oppressing someone. And I command that to leave right now in the name of Jesus. And we agree together here in River of Life, Lord, that you send forth your angels, Lord, right now to break through the darkness. In the mighty name of Jesus, they've confessed these things. They've renounced these things. We command it leaves right now. And I want to do this on, just keep the recording going. Can you help me real fast? I want you to play the key of C on here. I want us to lift up a shout, and we're going to blast the shofar. Lord, I'm asking you at this shofar blast that you break through every bit of darkness. Will y'all help me raise, raise the roof off this place, okay? Blast into Africa. We 
let this break open over their lives. Like It's just like clouds that part and the sun begins to shine again in their life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Y'all ready? Brother Zach, let's go ahead, go ahead and shut our recordings. And we're going to pray for people. Whew. Let's encourage you.